Welcome to another episode of the VD Clinic Podcast. My name is Darren. With me is Vanessa. I will not ascribe an adjective to her today. Hello. I'm going to be, object- <laughs> I'm going to be objectifying women in this episode, I feel. So. Well, this movie just lends itself so much to that. Um, discussion will follow later. Yes, we are. We usually do ridiculous, cheesy cult movies sometime in the in the late summer. The hot, sticky months. Yeah, something completely brainless. And boy, did we! I mean, we brought it this month. Um, We're covering uh, Barbarella, the 1968 movie with Jane Fonda. Um, her pre-political days, so yes, discussion will follow. But um, anyway, how I know Darren, you we we talked a little bit off mic, but how have you been? I've been doing all right. You know, just doing the the stuff, the transition from summer towards towards fall. Uh, I, well, he was on the last episode, but you know, my son is getting ready to start kindergarten, so there's been all the things that go along with all of that you know teacher meetings and figuring out where his uh classroom in the house is gonna be and shit but uh you know been finding stuff to do or been finding time to do things here and there you know i'm also still involved in the podcast under the stairs top movie of the what do you call it? The tens? The 2000 to 2010? The aughts? The aughts. Uh, so, been watching a lot of a lot of horror movies. Uh, I probably won't talk about any of those here because I'll be talking about those there, but I've even fi- found time to watch a couple, couple things that are not podcast related. Uh, how are you? I'm... Um... I'm pretty good. Um, yeah, just dealing with work and um, and then taking care of the fabulous Zora. Um, the poor thing had to have dental surgery last week. Had eleven teeth pulled. Um, so. How many teeth is you left, know, are are left? Um, nineteen. Oh, okay. Cats have thirty teeth. I did not realize there were that many. <laughs> but that's yeah, that's what the vet said. But um, no, Zora seems to be you know had a couple days were not so good, but. Was bouncing back pretty pretty quickly. At least had a healthy appetite 
right away afterwards. And a lot of animals don't do that. And, um, and just so you know that it is not uncommon for, yes, hi there, we're talking about you. Um, it's not uncommon for cats of Zora's age to have to have like that many teeth pulled. Because um, Zora's 16, so, you know, yeah. Z is a trooper. Um, they like ben, hearing that about themselves. Yes, exactly. But uh yeah, like I said, had a had a those first like couple days, you know, didn't feel good. I'm, I'm like, you know what? I've I've had to have a, a tooth pulled too and I didn't feel good after it for a few days as well. So <laughs> I get it. <laughs> you know, and I kept talking to the vet about that. I'm like and you know, and he was like, you know, I wish more patient. I wish more, you know, patients were like you in that you're being realistic about this and you're not like freaking out about all of it. I'm like, well, I, I think about it that, you know, think about how humans are. I mean, dental work's not fun for us either, you know, <laughs> but, and, and apparently from what the vet said is that, you know, cats are much more resilient with this kind of thing than we are. So. Well, that's good. They sound like, yeah. Have you gone to yeah. dentists during the pandemic for you? No, um, I am scheduled to go for a cleaning in a couple weeks, but I have to reschedule it because my mother is moving and she's most likely going to be coming here like the same time. And I don't, know exactly which if it's gonna you know it's gonna over uh if it's gonna be the same day or what because i don't have the exact date of my mom coming here yet so i'm like yeah i'm gonna have to put it off at least a month because of that uh just because i you know i was gonna i'm like gonna have to take a couple days off work and just to help her get a few things uh adjusted with her new um apartment so yeah i canceled mine because i had recently well i will say one of the movies that i watched for that thing of course one of the movies you would expect in a top 10 of the 2000s or the mm-hmm. aughts would be 28 days later so i watched that movie and then i was looking at my upcoming dental appointment and i looked up in the cdc at that time was recommending not going unless it was an emergency. Right. It wasn't. And I pictured that, that point in that movie where that wonderful Scottish actor that uh, plays the dad who drives the cab in that movie. Yeah. Has it been a while? Do you know what I'm talking about? Brandon Gleeson. I do. I do know who you're talking about, but I've forgotten the actor's name. Yeah. I believe it's Brandon Gleeson. And... When he gets that drop in his eye, and, he, mm-hmm. and that's it for him. Spoiler alert, but it's 20 years old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> edit that out if you want, David, but I think you'll agree. Uh, and I just think thought about all of the splashing into my eyes that happens when I'm <laughs> at the dentist. So I was like, yeah, I can wait. Mm-hmm. 
but I've been flossing. I've been flossing like I every I've been trying to floss every week like I had an appointment the next day. Yeah. But well, I mean that's I know that they the the recommendation for a while uh yeah was definitely like that and I mean I know I know in New York now, New York City now I would feel safe going to the doctor, I mean to the dentist, but um I I know I'm going to need to postpone it just because of my mother's move and it's I mean I don't think it hurts to put it off a month the thing with Zora is you know what part of the and part of why like cats as they get older have to have a lot of teeth pulled is because you can't floss their teeth God, I can't and so trying to floss a cat right I mean the brushing would be hard enough but <laughs> yeah no way I can do that. Like Zora won't let me do that to Zim. But uh, so, you know, it's kind of like that's why it's like, OK, with the gum disease and, you know, that kind of stuff. Then it's like, OK, you end up having to pull a tooth. So that's what it is. But anyway, yes. Yes. So. So that's Teeth. Uh, Did you watch that's teeth? teeth? Did you watch the movie Teeth? I have seen Teeth before, yes. That, but you haven't watched <laughs> it since we last spoke? No, I have not watched it in a while. <laughs> neither, neither have I. Nor have I watched The Marathon Man or anything with a dentist in it. <laughs> I might have watched Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, but. Not recently, even. No? <laughs> <laughs> but so what have uh you been watching and i mean we haven't been doing our regular kind of referral slips because i know scheduling's been a little bit hard with you with uh during the quarantine time period so i mean i know we kind of had said we would throw out a few things that we'd been reading or watching or listening to whatever during this time period but is there anything interesting that you've been watching or just uh, something you think you want to mention i would say if you haven't yet get your eyes on lovecraft country the uh new series on hbo or from hbo i'm not sure where all you can get it are you familiar with the the show? Um, I have not seen it yet, but I know of it. Uh, my HBO access situation got a little screwy because the Fire Amazon Fire Stick and Roku don't have HBO Max apps and the regular HBO uh, app. That was on there no longer supported on those platforms. Oh, is it because of the Warner and Amazon thing? I don't... Well, no, it's not... I don't know. It even does it with Roku, totally separate from the Fire Stick. So, it's like, 
I don't know who was the genius over at HBO who thought that this was smart to cut off all the, you know, these people or whatever. Yeah. Like it was, it was done kind of hastily the way that they did it, you know, decided to announce it and everything. So I'm trying to straighten out, like I said, my HBO access. But once I have that, I, I know I will be watching that show. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually an episode behind. I have not seen the episode that came out the week that we are recording this. Mm-hmm. But the first episode, I, I think you're really going to like the cinematography of it, the costuming. It takes place in the 50s. Right. Um, at least so far. Who knows? It's Lovecraft. They could be in the future in outer space or, or not outer space. But I, I haven't read a whole lot of Lovecraft, but the second episode could be all uh, slimy fish village people sacrificing right. somebody to a elder god but it's what jj abrams and jordan peele collaboration right. um the girl who was black canary in that whatever the long birds of prey title thing is for the yeah. harley quinn mm-hmm. movie yeah uh she, yeah she's a main character at this point um okay yeah uh, it's cool. Nineteen. It's got just well. It could go for like I said. I've just seen the one episode so far, but right. It takes place in the Green Book era, and I had heard that, and I thought that was pretty interesting um, to have that in there. So yeah, that's. I was wondering how they were they were going to do that. So yeah, I yeah. Think... It seems to, it seems to touch on some interesting subjects. Yes, uh, for real. And it's it's the HBO type show, so they can do whatever they want. Right. Uh, they seem to be setting up to tell a pretty interesting story. And it's... Yeah. Uh, uh, check it out. Uh, <laughs> so I would say that. Lovecraft Country. Um, you know how... I am not the biggest fan of many found footage movies. Right. Unless, unless they're just a straight up mockumentary of sort of sorts. Mm-hmm. But I watched that host movie that Shudder has. I don't okay. Know if you have access to Shudder or not. Yeah, I do, but I haven't watched that yet. Okay, the the Zoom horror movie. I thought it was pretty cool it is i think it's less than an hour or it's just over an hour long right and you know they from what i heard the collaborative way that they put it together uh, it seemed like a pretty cool idea going into it and there were mm-hmm. there's some some worthy jump scares and some cool little things that you're like oh it's a cool movie trickery and yeah uh, that would be a referral slip, especially since it's so short. You know, it's about the yeah. length of a TV episode anymore. Right. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I can't remember. Did you watch that underwater movie with Kristen Stewart? No, I wanted to, though. I watched that. And the whole time I was ready to tell the movie to fuck itself. Right. <laughs> But, you know, if if you go into it 
sort of like it's kind of like underwater alien with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. It's okay. you, know, you know, uh a couple other people that you'll recognize from things. Uh mm-hmm. TJ Miller, I think his name is. The mm-hmm. uh comedian. Yeah. And but not a whole lot of famous faces and yeah, I I would recommend that. Um, I'm not like a big Kristen Stewart fan, but I don't hate her. You know, I think I like her in a lot of things, but I recognize that when she's on certain projects, she's not that good. She needs to have some good material to work with. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you see her in Personal Shopper, I, I like that's that. is that I, is that a worthy? Yeah, that's good. It's it's a it's an indie film. Same director who directed her in, oh, what is that movie? Clouds of Saint Marie or something? I forget some French name. Um, but. And I I like her in those because again they're indie movies, but and they're done by the same director. But so she you know it shows she has a a wider range than some bullshit like Twilight. I mean bullshit. Twilight is bullshit. That's that's insulting bullshit. I mean. <laughs> oh, I, that, I, it's funny that you should bring that up because I did want to say something that I I noticed. When I was thinking about Kristen Stewart movies, mm-hmm. but you were talking and I interrupted you, but I, I want to add that before you move aw- away from Twilight. But but what I'm saying is that that is a, just a terrible, pe- terrible movie. And no matter who's going to be in it, it's just, be- you know what I mean? Yes. I feel like no saving that. And anybody who is not, I don't think she... I don't think she's a consistent actor. Um, I think she needs to be working with, you know, the right people. And she's not the only actor like that. You know what I mean? Um, and I'll say it. Yeah, I think she's hot. But <laughs> especially when she's like showing her butcher side or her more androgynous side. Um, okay. I think you should definitely watch Underwater because she plays like an engineer. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, you've probably seen her. I think yeah. she's got short, short hair. Mm-hmm. No, that's her. That's her latest. Her latest haircut is. Oh, okay. Yeah, short, short like that. Yeah, uh, and speaking of Twilight, though, that was one of the things that I was thinking about. Was it, I kind of feel like she got the same thing that what's his face got for playing Anakin Skywalker, where it's the character Hayden Christensen. Yes, Hayden Christensen. Uh, I've. I I read some of the Twilight book because I really like to look at things that I criticize or make fun of. Right. <laughs> you know, you got to do it from an informed place. I and get that's it. That's kind of like the character. Like it's not yeah. that she's a shitty That's what I heard. Yeah, like that character and it is so much worse. Like you know how in the movies he's kind of like an abusive or is an abusive boyfriend? sort of yeah. stalker tendencies and all this other weird shit. It is right. it, it is even worse in the book. 
It's it's just like you're reading about an abusive relationship. Uh, well, and that's, you know, and while we're on this, Robert Pattinson is a better actor than those movies, too. There right. were so many people in that in those movies, because unfortunately, I was I did get roped into watching some of them because of friends of mine. I've seen uh, all of them. <laughs> I have seen all of them. OK, I admit it. Unfortunately, yeah. I have seen all of them. But again, yeah, it's kind of like <clears throat> like with with Amanda and I, I think they all came out mm-hmm. during our time together. And you know how, yeah. like, on your birthday, you pick the restaurant that you really like, but you don't crave all the time, but that your right. person you're with doesn't really like, but you're just like, okay, well, this is about me. Those all came right. out around her birthday every time they came out, you know, late November. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, Darren's going with me to see Twilight. First night, second night, something where there's all the squealing ladies and oh, yeah, I've seen all the movies, but you know, I've also seen all of them with the uh, MST3K soundtracks. See, I I'm sure I would enjoy it more. That is so I much always, more fun. <laughs> I only saw them at home, but I provided my own, and at least one of my friends that had read all of the books and was into that kind of stuff. She even at least recognized that the books were ridiculous, but she wanted to see the movies anyway, and she insisted on seeing all of them. She at least made fun of them with me. You know what I mean? So it wasn't just like me like making fun of stuff and my friends looking at me like, shut the fuck up, Vanessa. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know? And and it was easier because the riff riff tracks, you know, the MST3K guys, that Mm -hmm. was all Amanda's idea too. She's like, I know this is trash, but I'm still making you come watch it with me. Oh, yeah. Oh, and admittedly, I watch plenty of trash. I know that. I mean, trust me. We might be talking about some later in this episode. But um, anyway. But uh, but yeah, in, in those movies, actually, there were other people in there that were like actors that have like legitimate careers prior to those movies. And I'm like how much did you get paid to be in that? Because that must be the only reason you were in there, you know, yeah. and you're putting in probably the weakest performance of your career. Yeah. But yeah, you get that. It's not, it's not, it's not exactly Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings money, but I bet twilight money lets you make some artistic well, choices with the rest of your life. I think probably by the second one, they were starting to, do some of that yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah our our pats I, I thought he was good in harry potter speaking of harry potter uh, um who in harry uh, potter Ro- robert pattinson played a character oh that's right called yeah cedric he was, he was one of the first casualties of the trump taking over hogwarts storyline or whatever <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right i i remember now uh, but anyway uh, yeah i don't know we talked entirely too much about twilight uh... <laughs> or just, yeah i don't know <laughs> edit, that's edit, okay edit. right now we're this is a, this is a little bit of a loosey-goosey episode um, but 
but I'm I'm trying to to think of of something. The um so something that is good, but to change the subject completely. <laughs> um, on Netflix, uh, this came out. I guess is it a couple months ago now. Um, came out with this documentary called Disclosure. Have you seen it? No, the only disclosure I've seen has Demi Moore in it. And Michael Douglas? Yes. And on the the animated show Big Mouth, they made it into a musical. <laughs> oh, shit, that's right. I hope, I hope more of that show comes out soon. Uh, me too. Um, but anyway, no, this documentary Disclosure, that's on Netflix, I highly recommend... It's it's all about kind of Hollywood's depiction of trans people, and and then it kind of delves into the impact of these Hollywood representations of trans people, and like how those have impacted actual trans people growing up, like Laverne Cox, for instance. Um, the, the you know trans actress she talks about like okay she you know i remember seeing this movie or whatever tv show or whatever this character at this time and you know and just kind of talking about how it shaped her not just wanting to be in the hollywood industry but also just kind of shaping of her identity to some extent and um you know it's really interesting and it's got some they talk to a really nice variety of people um i know they talk to at least to to at least one of the wachowskis uh who is did the, the Matrix? Fox the lady that's also an activist, and she was or is on Orange Is the New Black. Yes, okay. and actually, she's from Mobile, where I grew up, in Alabama. Oh, her or her character on that show? No, she in real life. Oh, right. Is on. From Mobile, she's from Mobile. Yeah, and she was one of the grand marshals of LGBTQ. Um, pride here uh i think maybe was it five years ago now yeah i'm sorry I've, i'm i'm sure you told me that <laughs> that's okay I... maybe not maybe <laughs> not but um yeah so she's like one of the people but that's that's in there but they have uh, you know some really good it's some it's just really um it's really interesting when you're just talking about when you're talking about trans and gender nonconforming people and their just overall visibility. But to hear the impact of you know and how it is so important for marginalized groups to see you know, reflections of themselves in mass media and how that really, I mean, for something, it can really shape 
you know, your identity for better or worse. You know what I mean? And, um, it's got, you know, there are some moments where you might need the tissues. I'll tell you that. Um, but it's, it's just also very powerful at the same time. And it's just also from a cinema point of view, very fascinating. If you're at all interested in like, you know, history of Hollywood, it's got, it's interesting. Disclosure. Yes. And it's on Netflix. Right on. What else? Um, another documentary. I finally saw the doc, the Mark Patton documentary, Scream oh, Queen, Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Yeah, I, is, I, I watched that too. Did you? Yeah, they, that's now on Shudder. Um, you know, I had read about it and seen clips from it, but I hadn't been able to, I hadn't gotten around to seeing it until uh, recently. And I enjoyed that quite a bit too. And again, to show someone who was queer and, you know, their place in Hollywood and just in this case, it's, it's a mat. It's, you know, considering what the effect of homophobia on just one individual's career, but I mean, follows him specific, just only him specifically, but it's something that a number of other, uh, uh, you know, queer male actors were really going through for a while. And in part because of the AIDS epidemic. So, you know, it's, it's interesting in that way too, to see kind of that historical lens of, yeah, how these, these socio-political type things going on in the world, how they carry over into Hollywood portrayals and, and just, okay, we can cast this person or we're not going to cast that person because of X, Y, and Z bias. And, you know, and how it can completely destroy a career. So, yeah, but it's, it's, it's very good um, because it's not all gloom and doom either. I think I was expecting more gloom and doom from hearing people talk about their experience of watching it. And I I don't know if it was because I already was kind of following Mark Patton. You know, I had, uh, years ago, there was a miniature, uh, thing at a con where he and the guy that played Grady sort of did a Q and a that I went to. And right. Uh, Robert England was there, but I don't think he was part of that thing. I think mm-hmm. he was just there. That was my like yeah. fanboy moment of being sat at the table next to him at the, at a, at a restaurant and just being like taking everything to not fuck up his dinner, you know, yeah. to keep myself to myself. And I did. And he appreciated that, but uh, I, uh, I never disliked 
of uh, Nightmare 2, but after just mm-hmm. seeing how, like, I don't they seem to have a really real friendship, right. he and Grady, or, or just at least a great camaraderie from the shared experience or whatever, but right. just the, the way they talked about the making of that movie, I mm-hmm. uh, revisited it then, and ever since then, it's, you know... It's joined part one and uh, Dream Warriors um, as the ones, pretty much the only ones I really watch on the regular. Yeah, I have to go back and, and rewatch the the movie now, the Nightmare 2. I, I just haven't gotten a chance to do that. So... Because, like I said, it's, I only recently caught up with it. It's one of those that I saw, it came out on Shudder whenever, and I was like, I kept saying to myself, oh, I'll watch it later. Oh, I'll watch it later. Oh, I'll watch it later. And then finally I was like, why haven't I watched this yet? I mean, like, <laughs> it was just like, that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah. But I, I, like, the, but, I like the way he gets the moment or the conversation that he wanted or needed. Yeah, with with, uh, with that guy. Definitely yeah. check that out. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have recommended that if it had come to mind as well. Yeah, it, I think it it gives him a certain sense of closure and that like just gives him that 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 element that he needs to. So he's like, okay. I now have this greater sense of serenity and I'm good. And you know what I mean? And so few people get that in life and it's still not a perfect, happy ending, but there's still something very happy about it. Yeah, I go along with that. He, he, he gives us reason to not feel sad. Right, right, exactly. Because, you know, he's, it's not that, I mean, sure, he had, doesn't have, the, he, he didn't have this big, long, extended, glamorous Hollywood career, but what he did have, he felt was meaningful, and he's still been able to make a life since then. A life where he's happy. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people, once they're out of, you know, once those acting jobs dry up, even if they don't dry up as quickly as his did, they still, you know, don't get the quote-unquote happy ending or whatever that he has. So he's doing, you know, in some ways doing better than others. (laughs) There we go. And seems seems like he had a fun time take well when he could take the the movie on the road doing the Q and A's and yeah, doing those, doing those events at clubs after cons and things the the Jesse dance mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we True. are not sponsored by Shutter, by the way, but. They're doing something. If right. you 
as they do, as they say on uh, Friday the thirteenth. If you want to sponsor us, though, <laughs> yeah, if you do, we'll take it. We would make a point to talk about you more. I know we have talked about them before, <laughs> and I'm sure we will again. <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, and you know what I can't believe, but I finally caught up with, and I, this is another one that I'm like, why is it taking me this long to see this movie? Um, Grand Budapest Hotel. You hadn't seen that yet? No. And I was oh. like, and I, and I like Wes Anderson, but I was just like, why is this, why have I not seen this before? Like, it just. Oh, how'd you yeah. love the costuming and shit in that and set decoration? Oh, that's just it. I that's one thing I, I I do always love about Wes Anderson, is but this one particular, yeah, there were so many different things. Even I mean, look at the the makeup jobs in there. Like Tilda Swinton's alone was phenomenal. Her old age makeup, yeah, you know, but. Um, yeah, and just to say that you're right, the set, too. That's, yeah, well, yeah, that's another thing that he's known for and everything. But mm -hmm, right. But, Willem Dafoe in that movie? Oh, God. Well, Willem Dafoe, I, I've always, I pretty much always like Willem Dafoe. Even when he's playing the most despicable character. But there were there. I mean, the cast in it, you can't. I, I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, you know what I mean? It's there are so many good people in it. I mean, like I already mentioned, Tilda Swinton. Uh, although I did wish she had been in it a little bit more, but Rafe Fiennes and Edward Norton, Owen Wilson. You know, of course, you have to have the obligatory Bill Murray moment. Um, who Jeff else? Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum with his poor cat in that, uh, that gets thrown out the window. Um, <laughs> did he just throw my cat out the window? Like, <laughs> just as only Jeff Goldblum can say, did he just throw my cat out the window? Um, Harvey Keitel. Harvey Keitel. Um, Fisher Stevens even had a little bit, a little part. Oh, I'm sure. Um, I forgot about him. F. Murray Abraham. I mean, yeah. Jude, Jude Law. Oh, yeah. That's right. Jude Law. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, Sasha Ronan. Yeah. And and we and, didn't even think to say Adrian Brody. Oh, thank you. I was just going down the list because it's like there are so many people in that that you're just like, okay, that person, that person, that person. I mean, you have multiple Oscar winners and nominees in it. You know, yeah. most of the cast has either won or not been nominated for an Oscar at least once. Whenever we do Wes Anderson marathons, because that was another uh, director that Amanda always made sure we saw in the theater when we could. Mm -hmm. That was yeah, that was one we saw in the theater. But that, uh, when whenever we do the the marathons, usually it's you'll see it 
in the early early part of the lineup with Royal Tenenbaums and Life Aquatic and right uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Those are the that those and this are the ones we we tend to watch if we don't do them all. You know, I still don't really care if I ever see Darjeeling Limited again. That movie was not for me. Yeah, I didn't see that one. Uh, yeah, it might be. Different. I've seen <laughs> I've seen all the others, but the like Grand Budapest Hotel and then Darjeeling Limited, I haven't haven't seen. I'll probably see it just to say I've seen it, you know, just out of being a completionist. But uh, yeah, but still, like I said, I'm like, why? Just really, why did it take me so long to see this? I can't, I mean, I really can't recommend it enough because you have so, it has so many good things going for it. Maybe you were really busy in 2014 or 2015. What year was that? I guess. 2014? 14 or 13. It was not 2015. I should just look it up instead of rambling. Yes, 14. 14. Okay. Okay. So... Yeah, I, I I think I've mostly been during this whole time period just kind of I've been doing a lot of catching up on things. Mm-hmm. Um, probably catching up on more like okay, I've got to and I and then I rewatch certain things just as you know, it's almost like comfort food. Exactly. <laughs> some people have been some people have been pigging out during quarantine i've been you know just re-watching a lot of things so but but anyway um so now i know you haven't had as much time to read and everything but what have you been what have you been reading that you want to mention well let's see my most recent read was pretty solid book that i would recommend to anybody and it's called green eggs and ham and i had to read that to somebody <laughs> who wouldn't go to sleep at eleven thirty last night <laughs> it's pretty cool i forget he only uses something like 56 words in the whole book or it's he, pretty amazing uh dr seuss i think they are gonna be a name people remember but other than that, <laughs> on a less wholesome note, <laughs> I've been reading about Operation Paperclip, which most people know, but I guess the the book that I am reading about it is called Operation Paperclip by <laughs> Ann Jacobson. And I've been reading a little bit. These are books that I've been working on for months just a little bit at a time it's material that's a little heavy to just read a whole bunch about you know uh like rise of the warrior cop is another book that i'm reading by bradley balco uh i just got done with the kennedy era of police brutality <laughs> so i'm taking nice. a bit of a break from that and for just a little bit of fun i've been reading a book called uh raven rock 
uh, and that is about the contingency plans that the American government, well, most governments, but the American government started working on on how to save itself in the case of something like a nuclear war. It's the, you know, the evacuation plans and uh, locations away from blast zones and the chain of command. It's kind of how we got the line of secession and all these other weird things. It, it starts back, uh, it sort of circles back around, but it starts back around uh, Truman, time of Truman. And yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, <laughs> talking about people that were thought that they were important aides to presidents and stuff that didn't even know that there was a plan because they weren't involved and shit like they were not giving spaces to wives, but like a hundred secretaries and just all this fucked up shit. Um, I think the, after the semicolon of Raven rock is like our government secret plans to save itself and let us all die. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I checked the books out to make sure it's not a, uh, what's his what's his fucking face? I forget his name. The guy that used to be on Fox that uh, yells a lot. Infowars guy. Alex Jones. Yes, I, I I'd rather it be a more credible author than Alex Jones or the left wing version. <laughs> but I mean, Operation Paperclip is pretty easy to research nowadays. Right. The stuff that they didn't destroy. Um. But that, you know, that's interesting. It goes into how the Nazi scientists are part of the reason why we had the MK Ultra program later. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, depending on which way you want to go, you can read about Nazi scientists being brought over to America to do stuff like the space program and other things like that, or uh, the Lorax. Is another one by that Dr. Seuss guy that I <laughs> read yesterday. Well, so funny you should bring up MK Ultra. Because um, one of the things I was going to recommend <laughs> is a. I, I did the audiobook of it. Um, just because I, I knew I wasn't going to have, I guess, tons of time or whatever. But um, it's called Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA, and the Secret History of the 60s by Tom O'Neill. And basically, this journalist kind of was doing this piece. It started like 20 or whatever years ago, and he was doing this piece on uh, the Manson murders, you know, Tate LaBianca Manson murders and all of that, Holter Skelter, and he starts to go, like, dig around, and he talks to Vincent Bugliosi, who was the prosecutor and wrote, who wrote also wrote Helter Skelter, and then there were all these kind of questions that started coming up, and and it's like, uh, seems like 
the helter skelter defense or, or you know motive and all of that to those Tate LaBianca murders uh, may not actually be true. Maybe, maybe not. But this presents alternate uh, reasons behind it that are in part tied to uh, that are tied to the uh, CIA and the MK Ultra experiments. Um, some different things with the FBI and LAPD. Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of it. It's kind of interesting. Um, you know, I always take those kind of things with a grain of salt, but it's just like, I, you know, I haven't read Halter Skelter in years, but, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the case, even without having, you know, have read that multiple, like too many times, I should say. But that does present it when you start thinking about it now in a nice neat bow. And it's kind of like, I don't know there. I think that there could be some other things going on that it was just so much easier for the prosecutor's office to say, Oh no, it's just this. They want to start a race war. Well, okay. But there are all, you know, there are these opportunities where law enforcement could have stopped Manson, like including his own parole officer. Like, so, so it's all MK Ultra and COINTELPRO. It makes you wonder where, like, it seems like there's at least something being covered up where it's a matter of, okay, law enforcement, they just didn't stop Manson when they saw these different warning signs or they didn't look into these certain things. But then you're like, well, why didn't they look into certain things? And then if their theory, when the theory of like the MK ultra kind of is presented here, it actually makes a lot of sense when you just take away different things, you know, about Manson of how he did try to control, you know, control his followers. Like just even the whole thing of where, okay, I'm going to give everybody a bunch of acid, but I'm purposely either not going to take it or I'm going to take significantly less than everyone else. So I'm in more control than they are. Hmm. You know, certain things like that where you're like, okay, some of that you can see where that could be tied to some of these MK ultra type things that were going on. So yeah. And that title is one more time. Cause it's chaos. As long as like Dr. Strange love and how I learned to. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Chaos, Charles Manson, the CIA and the secret history of the sixties. Yeah. Cool. So it it just it at the very least it gives you something to think about as an alternative to just the nice neat helter skelter um, explanation that Bugliosi 
you know, present it at time of prosecution. Cool. Yeah. And then I just started today. Again, I'm doing the audio book because I, I try, I'm trying to read, but um, some of these things that I've had to read, I, I've been doing the audio books because once I'm getting into, I'm, I'm doing a lot of nonfiction reading. So, you know, some of it is a little bit more easily digestible. Um, and just time-wise, a little easier for me to do the audiobook. But I just started that, and I hate to do Oprah Book Club books. I'm not that person. But her latest one, Cast, by Isabel Wilkerson. And it starts, it's basically the breakdown. Have you heard about this book? Uh, no. It's basically not just going into, like, okay, there's racism in the United States. No, we have an actual caste system in the United States. And she, and that really has gone through uh, and, and played out to the different races that have that are here and well and have come here in the United States and she brings in kind of the history of the caste system in India and even the caste system that was kind of created with Nazi Germany it's in and and there's a certain amount of that where I'm like I didn't, I, you know, once I kind of read about it ahead of time, I was like, wait, what? Like, I was kind of, I like had a moment, I was like, I get that there were the distinguishing, you know, groups of people that they, you know, like categories they put people in, but it was just like, well, I never considered that really like a caste system like you would like in India, but I'm like, actually, I guess it is. Um, so like I said, I only just started, started it today, but so far I'm like, I really didn't want to have to stop it. <laughs> yeah. But I, I got into where I was like, okay. Cause I was doing, I was listening to it while I was doing a certain amount of work, but then I was like, I had to stop because I had to go do some other stuff where I had to concentrate more. And then I had some phone calls and stuff. So, but I was just like, yeah, I can't wait to get further into it because it's, I think it's a very, I think sometimes we don't, um, we don't talk about intersectionality enough once, you know, when you're talking like race and class, we just might look at, okay, it's just race or whatever. But yeah. class really, um, you know, definitely intersects with it and, you know, doesn't, it can be separate too, but definitely there's an intersection in this. And one thing 
just even that she, you know, points out with it is that the definition of whiteness in this country has even changed over time. You know what I mean? Because at one point, the Irish weren't really considered, or Italian weren't considered white, you know, because they were not white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Yeah, the the long, twisted, hateful history of racism in America and other isms. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, oh, how these kind of things keep getting slightly reconfigured, the definitions of whatever, just to put, you know, and, and it's basically also who is, who's the, who do we consider the ones that are the ruling class? And the ones that kind of we need to, you know, the ones who have all the power. And of course, yes, like I said, some of that is based on money, but there are all these other qualifiers outside of that. Interestingly enough, that a certain amount of privilege. Yeah, but, that's, that sounds like it's called cast. Yes. C-A-S-T-E. Yeah, because I was thinking another kind of... I, I thought it might be about not exactly the same thing, but I was picturing a cast that's like a barrier over the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I figured that that could be a metaphor somehow. Yeah. But cast, like the caste system in India. Huh. I wonder... Well, maybe maybe a man is reading that, or maybe I've seen the cover somewhere. Um, she's been getting so many books from from the library and digitally, mm-hmm. um, because I don't know. She, <laughs> I'm not sure where where she finds the time, but she reads like a beast. That's because you're busy reading Green Eggs and Ham and the Lorax. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of the time... Not to say that she isn't, but... <laughs> there was a long stretch there where every time I asked if I could read him a book, he said, no, only mommy reads to me. I'm like, well, but... Fine. But now that he wants books read to him when mommy's been asleep for two hours, I'm not <laughs> so shitty, am I? <laughs> she is better at reading books but <laughs> whatever anyway <laughs> enough about that but no i mean i've been i've been reading other things and actual physical books i promise but um i think it's, it's probably an audiobook well right. yeah it's still a real book um, in a way. Um, but I figure, I guess it's probably about time for us to take a break. And then when we come back, we can talk some Barbarella. Barbarella something something. That song's been stuck in my head all fucking day. Barbarella. Barbarella. Sorry. It's sad that I can do that. <laughs> 
More of that on the other end of this break. Okay. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Maddie. Do you like horror movies? I sure do. Well, did you know that most horror movies are inspired by real-life horror? Really? Like what? Well, take The Shining, for instance. That's based on Stephen King's real-life addictions, or The Purge, which could be our country any minute now. Oh, and The Strangers, which is based on a real-life murder. People should be talking about these things. Hey, Guys. Oh, oh, hey, Producer, producer Michael. Michael oh, hi. Well, I hate to break it to you, but somebody already is. It's you. <gasps> That's right. We are Friday the 13th, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and horror in media, all from an LGBTQ perspective. Because we gay, y'all. We are proud members of the Legion Podcast Network, and we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite podcasts are found. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Come along with us on this crazy journey, and as always, get slayed. Meet the most beautiful creature of the future. Her name is Barbarella, and she makes science fiction something else. Jane Fonda is Barbarella. Barbarella is a five-star, double-rated astro-navigatrix Earth girl whose specialty is... Love! Shall I tell you what I would like? I think I know. Her top secret mission is a real wing-dinger. I got him. Good many dramatic situations begin with screaming. See Barbarella do her thing with the nice angel. With the warm, friendly Iceman. With the cold, evil Black Queen. Hello, pretty, pretty. With the charming hand-to-hand Romeo. See Barbarella do her thing in the wild excessive machine. Sort of nice, isn't it? In the biting birdcage. In the chamber of dreams. In the labyrinth of love. In the deadly dollhouse. In the palace of pleasure. adventure beyond your imagination when you get lost in space with Barbarella.
And we are back. And we are here with something completely ridiculous, but fun, ridiculous, fun. Um, Barbarella from 1968, starring uh, Jane Fonda and directed by Roger Vadim, um, who they were married at the time this came out, but... Um, and it's based on the comic, which have you written? I mean, have you read the comic? No, I don't think so. I, I read a comic like Barbarella Mm -hmm. that the guy at the, that owned the comic book shop that my band used to practice over gave Mm -hmm. me like a hardback of this old Barbarella type thing from the seventies or eighties. Uh, I read that. I'm, I generally, I, I think I read more sci-fi than I do sci-fi comics. Yeah. Or, uh, but I don't know. Um, yeah. Long story short, too late. I have not. <laughs> no, nor have I. Um, yeah. But, and, and it's interesting because if you look at the, like, writing credits for this, it's, like, got so many people that worked on it because it was like, oh, this scene was rewritten by that person. Oh, this one was written by that person or whatever. And, but anyway, one of the people who gets, like, screenplay credit is Terry Sutherland. And you brought up earlier something that, another movie that he worked on. Uh, Dr. Strangelove. He was oh. the one of the writers for Dr. Strangelove, the the movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. He was also one of the writers for uh, Easy Rider as well. Oh, cool. Yeah. I feel it. So, kind of interesting. I've watched that. I, I like Easy Rider, but I feel like... Mm-hmm. It might be a little long for me to th- just throw on. Yeah. Yeah, I think I always do kind of feel like that it, That I feel like I need to have... I feel like it needs to be trimmed down a little bit in length, even though I like it. But that's another movie entirely. Yes. Um, yeah. When people start <laughs> doing road trips again, people will do Easy Rider on a podcast somewhere perhaps perhaps but this movie in addition to jane fonda as barbarella we've got john philip law as pygar anita pallenberg as the great tyrant um milo shea as the concierge or as he's also known juran juran um and oh my god his eyebrows need their own credit in this movie uh, <laughs> his, his he's always had big torture eyebrows. machine that we'll get to later needs its own credit well that too but his eyebrows have always been you know very pronounced but they kind of seem like they're something else in this movie um yeah um then Marce- infamous, infamous, or famed mime, Marcel Marceau. <laughs> infamous, <laughs> like, what did he do? 
Don't ruin Marcel Marceau for me. <laughs> you mimed killing someone. You mimed shooting someone. Mimed playing dead. <laughs> no, famed okay, so mime. Marcel Marceau is not canceled. Okay. <laughs> no, famed mime Marcel Marceau as Professor Ping. And the interesting thing is he's dubbed in this movie. <laughs> he can't even catch a break. <laughs> Well, I feel like what uh, they they sort of did it a uh, in more ways than once. They kind of did it Italian style in in this movie. Didn't everybody do their voiceover? Is that how it was shot, or is that just how it sounded? There were there were some of it where like Anita Pallenberg was dubbed by someone else too. Um, I don't, and then also there's also, and the, uh, the other person I'll, I'll mention too is Doug Hemmings who plays Dildano. He was in deep red and, um, thirst. So he's been dubbed before too. So, but this is, you know, Vadim is as French. So, and you have a lot of people in this um, that were French. So it's kind of like, yeah, it, I feel like some of it is cobbled together with the dubbing, like, an, you know, a spaghetti Western. <laughs> Although I did hear that she did her own overdubbing in the French version. Yeah, because she speaks French fluently. Yeah. I this this no I I probably saw nine to five, and then this. I'm, yeah. Yeah. But I saw so, this pretty early on. Yeah, I was gonna ask you because I know you mentioned when we start when I I brought this up at the end of last episode. You mentioned that you had seen it before, but um, how old? About how old were you when you saw it? Oh, I was at one of the best ages to first see this movie. I was probably 12, <laughs> 12 or 13. Probably 12. The first time I saw Barbarella, I found it on a tape on the shelf mm -hmm. in my house. And I don't remember what else was on it. It was one of the, you know, you could usually fit three movies on a tape, maybe. Right. Uh, oh, it might have been Barbarella, Caveman, and something else, knowing my dad. Uh, but I I watched it and I probably stole the tape. <laughs> <laughs> it was I don't know if there are different versions of of the uh, edits of this movie. Do you know? Because the version I... I saw then and the version I have now, there is the tasteful nudity. Mm hmm. Uh, which really grabbed me as a 12 year old viewer. Yes. And, but I stayed for the story. This is a weird fucking movie though. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't seen it in a long time, but yes, I watched it a lot in junior high and high school. Yeah. Um, yes. 
I wasn't quite as young as you when I first saw it, but I remember seeing it. I remember running it, I guess, on VHS uh, because I knew the band Duran Duran named themselves after uh, Milo O'Shea's character in here. Yeah, which is what Durand 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 <laughs> as they have to say it. <laughs> Durand. And actually the band Durand Durand, which I did post the the video up on our group Facebook page yesterday, they did do an album and song called Electric Barbarella about a um love doll yes <laughs> all right i i did not check it out yet but yes. I, I remember you doing that i've just i've been having too much fun with that main theme song just sort of uh... the the music in this is like the swinging 60s like you know like yeah, a lot of hip twisting and finger pointing when you dance kind of music yeah it's on the edge of like Kind of like psychedelia. Yeah, if, if, for some reason, and I don't know a lot about the genre, but I thought of like beach blanket bingo type music, or mad 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 world, or something like that. It's it's like that to it's that time period where it's moving from that to you know strawberry alarm cock. Alarm clock, you know, incense and peppermints, kind of. <laughs> Strong, strawberry like, alarm cock plays a different kind of song. Yeah, but I'm saying it's that same era. What <laughs> for, for this a second? I thought you had said strawberry alarm cock and then said it the other way. So I was making a bad joke. Oh yes, okay. That's what that was. Sorry. No. No, I said I said strawberry alarm clock. Uh, I realized I did not enunciate as well, <laughs> so yes, it probably did sound like that the first time. <laughs> um, but no, I am, but, I am agreeing with you about strawberry alarm clock. Yes. Yes. But no, because they that came out. What was that? Sixty seven when that song came out. Yeah, this is sixty eight. So a lot of fur. There's oh my god, really the hairy shag. guy, the Catchman. Okay, I am the Catchman. And the catchman. I live in the forests of yore. Well, you know what? He undresses and he's just as hairy underneath all the furs. So really, did he even need a costume at all? I think they shaved his back because I feel like that's the only noticeable difference when he pulled, okay, pulls off his gorilla suit or whatever. I don't even know what kind. They had some weird creatures. She had that weird fur with the that skunk looking thing. Really, really long tail. Again, that skunk looking thing. Yeah. And I love that at the the you know the movie after we see her you know, take off all of her, her clothes and quote, unquote float around. And I, you know, and of course it's a Dino De Laurentiis film. So, you know, it's a production. So, you know, from the get go that it's going to be done on the cheap. Yeah. Wasn't she on like saran wrap or something or a piece of plastic? 
You can tell that it's like when you really like look at it, it's like, yeah, like a clear vinyl type thing. And she's like laying down and everything's falling just beside her. But it's a pretty good illusion, like, and that, but then when you see it on high def TV, you can see it. it seems like you can see it a little bit more clearly. Yeah, is there a high def cut of this? Well, I'm talking about just the high def TV. Well, I was thinking about the, the two combined. I would think that that would not be so kind to the movie. Probably like that, like not. That, like that super high def version of Friday the Thirteenth, where you definitely see the wire and you can't not see the wire oh i feel like that might um if you yeah. if yeah there's 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 a cut of that that people really like to hate because of right a good practical practical effect from that time not faring so well under high def tvs and a high def blu-ray <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, I just love so many of the costumes in this. And I, just from the get-go, when they have the whole thing that's the message from the president of Earth and he, the outfit he's wearing, I'm like, if only, I, I just wish that we had a president who would wear a feather, you know, collar like that. I mean, just imagine that on Trump. I might actually be able to respect him more. Because then I'd be like, wow, you are completely making a genuine statement. You've captivated my attention. Even if I'm just looking at your collar. <laughs> yeah, he's not a big... He what, uh, Trump likes to wear really long ties to make himself look taller or something. Yeah, he does. And I, I was actually talking about this earlier today. I'm like, the man needs a steamer because... You know, he and Boris Yeltsin, uh, I keep wanting to say Boris Yeltsin, Boris Johnson, they, they're so much, so much, so often that they just look like they rolled out of bed. I mean, Trump's a little bit better, but he just, you know, a few too many wrinkles. I'm like, you, it doesn't take much to just steam that a little bit. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> uh, the, but speaking of the president in this movie, what does he say? We borrowed these weapons from the Museum of Conflict. Yeah. It's, it's a very 60s movie with the way they talk about stuff. In that way, and the way that it approaches sexuality. What is, you know, the people, except for those poor, the horribly unfortunate poor who have to have real sex we take these pills and hold hands for a second like that's the civilized way to do it and actually i was gonna get into that because it's not just a 60s thing it's a 70s thing too um because and i'm fascinated by this this whole futuristic representation of how we as human beings have sex and how the civilized people do it versus just the commoners, you know, I feel like that's a point, a plot point in brave new world also. Well, yeah, but I mean, I'm talking about the, what I, what comes to mind for me is, and I hate to say the director's name, but this movie does have some interesting points 
is Woody Allen's movie Sleeper, which takes place in the future. And again, they have to have a machine that they get into, except that one's called the Orgasmatron, um, which I just, I love that name. And I kind of wish the machine here that, you know, Duran Duran uses, I wish it kind of had that name because I, I don't know. He didn't, didn't seem to have a really good, you know, then the machine's name didn't have a good ring to it to me. But yeah, I, don't, I don't even really remember. He talked about what the machine did more than what it is. Yeah, he didn't give it a really good name. And I'm like, he needs a really good name. Um, <laughs> I typed down <laughs> piano sex toy murder machine. Yeah, that's kind of what it is. That, that was one of my notes. I figured that that had to get talked about. Of course, how of course we were going to talk about the yeah the machine like that, but I just this concept of no, it you know, like how you have sex like oh savages only only savages have sex that way. You the civilized people and. And he points out that, oh, the poor people have sex that way. You know, that's the other thing. Not just the savages, it's the poor people have it that way. So it's almost equating, like, poor people as being, quote-unquote, uncivilized. Yeah, Old-fashioned. They, they did a lot of things to talk about that. So, it, uh... What the what's his name, Lobano? Yeah, that was like I'm not a savage. I have the right. pills. I have the pills. Yeah, but, but and but at that point she's like, well, I don't want to go against your customs. Uh, which I I it seemed like what what did they say? Is like, after we found uh, other ways to boost our self esteem and yeah find happiness or something i forget mm -hmm. i was like we did away with that it was too distracting well okay maybe a little distracting sometimes but <laughs> yeah this movie though kind of everybody is thinking about sex like, even the fucking ship is throbbing well yeah in addition to it looks like you know it's like got ta you know tampon applicator sticking out the side but so many things in this are like something very sexual in the way that things are visually designed whether it's the clothing or the sets or the props it you know doesn't seem to matter it there and there is a lot of influence of like Hieronymus Bosch kind of like, particularly when you see the, the labyrinth-type oh, area. Yeah. But when you go into, you know, the the Sin City, essentially, um, that you want to call it in there, you've got all so these go, different... like Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah, exactly. It, it's got all these different things. It's a combination of Andy Warhol's The Factory... And a Bo you know, a Bosch painting. It's, you know, it's just everybody's everything thinking of sex. There's this giant, 
hookah bong that's got a you know naked man swimming around in it you know and you smoke out and smoke out of an it's essence of man uh, pygar is crucified the angel the but the last of the or something tropes or, or in or in, i don't even know how i i rewound it to actually see if i could catch how to pronounce it but it was like i'm the last of the tropes yeah i i know I for, I'm sorry, I forget what um I forget what that was called. But it, it's you know, this movie it it is very 60s in certain things and it has this kind of and you can see how it influenced like or was made fun of like with certain things like uh I guess some of like the Austin Powers because they had kind of wanted this to have an element of like oh this is a female james bond but it did it came out was done more comedically you know it it was set up that way it wasn't set up to be like a serious you know galactic spy or anything. The, the 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 revolution where nothing works. And that, you know, I was going to say that I kind of like that because yeah, that would actually that would actually be the case because you know, your rebels they don't have you know, their stuff is partly it's secondhand parts, it's things that you know you're having to sneak bits and pieces which Come on, you look and look at Star Wars. The Rebel stuff didn't always work completely either, right? It's just at a heightened level here. But um, okay, so what I was gonna say is this movie just has these different elements in it that you have seen in other movies and done more seriously, treated more seriously in other movies. Even even down to where the kids capture her and they tie her up and they have all those little like killer dolls. bitey dolls after her. Like those kind of things are are done seriously in you know what I don't know, what was that horror movie? Was it dolls or was there some another one? That anyway, is, that is one. They probably did stuff like that in a puppet master. Yeah, but it's stuff like that where it's not those weren't it may not have been done as tongue in cheek or as campy as, you know, or just outright comedically as this one. Um, you know, here there's just some of it that's like, OK, just put a different soundtrack or sound, you know, you know, sound effect behind it and you've got a different movie, but it's just, and I think that they had even there, there were like, I think, um, what actor was I reading that they had, it's someone else that they had in this, Oh, that they had someone else they had in the role, role of Dildano 
and he had filmed a bunch of scenes, but they decided, oh, no, we want to go in a more comedic route. So they scrapped all of his scenes and brought in David Hemmings. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I get you could have done some comedy, but it didn't have to be quite this whatever. And I, you know, the I get these moments of one thing that they interjected with making her, like, so klutzy and stuff. Their reasoning for it, with the, as far as the writers go, was because, oh, she comes from a time where she wouldn't have to, you know, deal with combat. But I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> Still, is would that really make you klutzy? I would think that it would be more if if she was weightless, more like if she was weightless for most of the time, and then she was dealing right. with gravity. I would deal by that more than people don't fight. <laughs> I know, I know that, and I read that in a couple different places. I mean, I, I know IMDb being one of them, which you know you can take that with a grain of salt. But I read it in in some other places, and I was just like, I don't know if I if I agree with that. I mean, I mean, I, the weapons are in a museum, so I get that the weapons are in a museum, and maybe being klutzy with those. But you're talking about her just basically walking, yeah. like. <laughs> And, and I, I don't know, maybe, you know, trying to, like, you know, hand-to-hand combat, maybe she's not good at that, but you would think she would have to, I don't know, if she's considered the top aviatrix or whatever they call her, you would think that she would be trained in a little bit better? Yeah, the president of the whatever republic of earth or whatever they say doesn't seem like they've thought things out too much i mean we we do find out the real motivation behind their being so desperate to send someone on this mission right but yeah i would totally buy it more being that she spends 80 percent of her time floating around taking off her clothes so mm-hmm. she would have trouble taking a sharp turn when walking or something like that. Right, right. Yeah, and, and and like I said, this was, you know, done when at a period of Jane Fonda's career where she was cast in these more like I don't know, starlet sex kitten kind of things. And it was before she was really, you know, political and that kind of thing. And, and, you know, I, one thing I thought about with this is, you know, she has that scene in here where she's put in that kind of like birdcage type thing. Yes. And has all those birds come in. I wonder if, like, Roger Vadim, like, terrorized her with birds, like, you know, Hitchcock did to Tippi Hedren. Um, I don't, I mean, I wonder if he did that on set, or if it would, I mean, those birds, I mean, they're parakeets, they seem pretty, it, it doesn't seem as quite as dramatic as the birds, but... 
you know, I don't know. I wonder if, you know, Jane Fonda somehow got like some sort of trauma over the birds. But I know that, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me truthfully because I, I've heard, uh, I haven't read it, but I've, I've heard uh, interviews with Jane Fonda where she talks about when she was married to Roger Vadim and, you know, their, the marriage was kind of abusive. Um, like, inc- I mean, including things like, okay, he would, you know, pressure her into like having threesomes and such when, you know, and having sex with people she didn't want to be with and things like that. Um, so, you know, you don't know whether they're kind of, you know, a co if it's like a coercive control situation or what going on. Uh, and I don't know what he was like on set. Well, it looks like she was married to him the shortest amount of time out of anybody she's been married to. Yeah. They were together for eight, eight years. Or, yeah. 65 to 73. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just one thing I I thought about watching it this time. Because it's probably been a few years since I'd seen this movie. Um, and when I say a few years, I'm, you know, not quite 10 years, but, I don't know, maybe more than five and her biography, I think, came out in the last, was it three, four years or something? I don't know. Somewhere along those lines. Yeah. But it's just something I thought about when I was watching it this time around. It's like, I wonder if she got traumatized, <laughs> like he, if he traumatized her on set at all with the birds and everything. Because you just hear, you hear so much about how Tippy Hedron, like what Hitchcock did to Tippy Hedron. I mean, of course, Hitchcock was also a next level, just bananas with some of his things, but. Yeah. I don't know. It had been a, probably at least 10 years since I saw this. Um, yeah. Prob- I mean, it, there's a good chance that, because I, never owned it until recently mm-hmm. and i didn't watch it until you said that we were doing it so unless i caught it which it could have been on hbo or something some night i probably hadn't seen it since high school yeah so uh, now I love her little gadget that she has that, you know, she wears on her wrist and she adjusts it to see like if she can communicate in whatever language, like the tongue box. I think that's like a great idea, but why is it that she always automatically starts with French? Like parlez-vous français? Like thinking everybody, like if you don't speak English, you're going to speak French. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, when you... (laughs) When you think of, not necessarily, but yeah, more recent empires to her history, English and French, they couldn't have predicted 
um, anything else? Uh, well, I don't know. Well, even German, I I don't know. Yeah, maybe they were afraid to upset the and, many still living Nazis. <laughs> well, maybe they didn't. Maybe it was too soon after World War to for even Holocaust survivors. Yeah. yeah you know, and bring that they didn't want to broach that topic. And maybe that's why they did and it. Well, wasn't Japanese because still again maybe too soon after world war ii but also you saw more of a rise of japanese language being spoken for business reasons in the 80s um and you didn't want to bring up russian because of cold war yeah and she speaks french fluently like you said so that would probably be a natural second you know hello parlez-vous français well, I mean, and Vadim is is French, and yeah, you know, I think this probably, you know, it seems like a lot of the cast and crew are French. Um, one thing that I, speaking of crew, that I found interesting, the director of photography is that was the great grandson to the impressionist paper, uh, painter Renoir. Oh, neat. I wondered that, but I wondered if that's just my narrow knowledge of the French. But like, oh, I have no idea if that's a common last name. No, it was in this case the actual, you know, relative. Isn't, isn't Patty Smith really into Renoir? Um, you know, I do not know. Uh, she talked a lot about a French painter in her autobiography. Or was that just kids? I've read that, but I don't remember. Or maybe Rambeau. Is that that might not that's even a, be French? That's <laughs> a just... right. No, he, he's a writer, but I think she did talk about him. I don't know. Was, I haven't read that in ages. Anyway. Yeah, me neither. Sorry, I keep derailing you. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. So they're how many times ago uh, descendant? Just grandson. Okay. Yeah. Quite an eye. Yeah. Interesting set pieces. What, eight or nine costume changes for Jane Fonda? Uh, seven or eight, yeah. Yeah, it's it does seem like she she spends more of the more of her time changing costumes than although I mean in all fairness a lot of them do get destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> there the birds do it, the hairy guy on the ice planet does it. The bitey children. Yep, the bitey children. I mean they're dolls, that is. Um you know, she starts out in, I get that she starts out in one space suit and then changes to something to hang around her spaceship in. Yeah. You know, so. and then she wears something different when she goes outside, I guess, it, you know, on the planet. like <laughs> The uh, musical piano sex toy torture machine. Well, in all fairness, there they take off. They take away her clothes while she. It that takes away all of her clothes while she's in there. Yeah, she asks him to hand her a garment. 
So, and she gets not just this. She doesn't get the same one back. She gets a different costume entirely. A lot of uh, lava lamps on screens, or the ink between the paper, the plastic stuff that you they used to show behind. The I know and stuff like that. I know. I was gonna say that's why I'm like this is like lava lamp, like height of sixties, like psychedelia this is completely like yeah i'm just gonna sit there and watch it it's groovy man dude like i need some acid (laughs) reminds me of that like stereotypical like thing that they would project at different shows and it is the evil force that lives below the city the Mathmos, yeah. I mean, it's which is an interesting concept, I think. Um, That's as good of one as any. True. Uh, Precisely. Uh, but I, one of my favorite parts was the revolution where nothing worked. Just like, door! Door! I know, it's like, I don't even really know how to use the radio that I've got. The 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 tube. The faulty tube. It was just yeah. I don't know. This this was fun. I was uh elevated when I watched this. Yeah. I think it helped. Yeah. Oh, certainly. No, this is one that you just, it's mindless. You know, you kick back, you know, get intoxicated however you want, and you just, you know, whatever. And you can sit there, and yes, it is completely laughable um, at at some points, but it's it's all in fun. I mean, like last night, I was, I was watching it, and when um, Milo O'Shea says, only an invisible key can an open invisible door. I was like, okay, Wonder Woman. Like, <laughs> are we going to the invisible jet now? Like, <laughs> like but of course. But the that. way he says it, I wish it. And I literally said out loud, okay, Wonder Woman. Like, <laughs> like I can't believe you didn't know this. Well, long live the revolution. Yes, long live the revolution. So, anyway, would you recommend this? Yes. Or did you have anything else to say before we? Because I, I feel like we. I think we've hit we've hit the points. Yeah. On this, <laughs> I would recommend this. You'll know in the first fifteen minutes if you're gonna want to watch the rest of the movie, and it's not that long. It's what uh, hour. Th- 35 hour 40 something they like think that. it's like an hour 35 yeah um it's i i would imagine just from the way the movie looks i would imagine the comic could be really cool if it's anything similar and uh, although uh, i haven't really heard that it's something i need to go check out right uh, but yeah it's wacky and weird and uh 
<laughs> really interesting looking things of Jane Fonda and she is she's funny and uh quite attractive in this movie. Well, I feel like it gives you it it's a different side of Jane Fonda than I think a lot of people are used to seeing. I think because, her 9 to 5 character is kind of like the opposite of Barbarella. Yes, absolutely. That is the main other thing that I know her from. Well, and then when you look at like the era, like the China Syndrome era of the 70s where she was doing much more... Clute. Yeah, she was doing these much more serious, dramatic things and... Uh, you know, genuinely just good work. Um, not that she hasn't done that at other points in her career, but just a much more kind of serious side of things. Um, Shout out to the weird ice stingray that the creepy children use to drive the sleigh to the bitey dolls. Yeah, and I just want to know why is it smiling? <laughs> Maybe that's not uh, ice evaporating all that smoke down there. Ah. Maybe that's Maybe that's why the catchman wants to live out in the quiet ice fields of whatever. Who knows? And Pygar, <laughs> Pygar getting his happy thoughts can fly again. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I would I would recommend this movie to a lot of people. Yeah, no, I would too because I mean and and again you would you're right. You would know pretty quickly and you would know just even reading the description whether or not you're going to be into something like this like are you in a, the mood for something that's this campy? Yeah. Cuz you know, I was talking to a friend of mine they're like, "Yeah, I'm not in the mood for something that campy right now." You know, because I what I've been doing some during quarantine is like to watch movies with other people at the same time. Well, they will like we might have like the same streaming service or something. And so we'll be basically texting each other and like, OK, push play right now. And so we're watching the mo same movie at the same time, just in different locations. And then we're just texting back and forth, commentary to each other, you know? Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, you know, that's creative uh, viewing during quarantine yeah. uh, group viewing. Solving. Yeah. Social distancing, um, your your movie watching. But, uh, but you know, it was kind of like I did it to one of my friends and it was like, yeah, I'm not in the mood for something like this right now. Maybe later, but yeah, not right now. And I was like. Unfortunately, I was like, I got to watch it tonight because <laughs> I mean, I probably could have I could have done this without watching it again. But I was just like, no, I just it's been a while. I knew it had been a while since I'd seen it. So I wanted to just refresh my memory. I forgot about a lot of this movie. So revisiting it was a lot of yeah. Oh, a lot of it was like a first watch. Mm hmm. Um, but I just to make sure that I didn't spend the whole time talking about how much of a crush I had on Jane Fonda when I was 12. 
<laughs> I, I, I watched it twice. <laughs> but yeah, I've got a lot of documentaries and stuff like that that I, I just keep not having the energy for at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So some campy was good. Yeah. Good. Good. Oh, so yeah, good good call. Good suggestion. Oh great. So Darren, now the big question is, have you decided what we're gonna be doing next month? Maybe. Uh this is all contingent on never making someone do something that they really, really, really don't want to do. Uh, out of okay. mutual respect for each other. I okay. can't remember. We had a, sort of a request. I was having a conversation with our friend Lance uh-huh. from The Horror Returns. And he kind and he was on last episode. He was on the last episode, yes. And we're hoping that he and his family are doing all right in the path of the hurricane hitting yeah. near them. Uh, probably going to check on him when we're done. but Or tomorrow. Yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. getting late. He's probably in bed if he can be asleep. But uh, it's sort of a request, but you can say no. It's been a while since we've done a TV show. But I was thinking yeah. maybe we do an episode or two of The Boys and read a comic or two of it. So uh, we could leave it as we are going to do something with the boys mm-hmm. comic and show. That okay. way that way we can figure out the the thing. Um the you know how much. But that's only if you're into the idea. No? Like I'm I said, up for... I was trying to figure it out, but I was just kind of talking about something that would be fun to do on a show. And he said, the boys, you guys. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm up for it. I'm up for it. Have you seen the show? No, I have not. And you not read the comic and you are not the biggest superhero person. No, I'm not. Okay. I See, I'm wondering. Because I, all the comics I ever read weren't really the superhero ones unless it was like Marvel zombies and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like the show quite a lot. And so, I don't know. <laughs> I feel some trepidation on your side. No, it's just I... to talk about that. No, I just am trying to see, figure out how many things I'm getting myself into. That's all. Okay. I mean... It's not that I'm not open to it. I just... Uh, I, I just... I'm trying to figure out the amount of work involved. That's all. Yeah, no, that that's all good. How about we just do... The first comic. The first... Part one, or anyway, we'll do something with the boys. We're either going to do some of the show or some of the show in the comic book. How about that? That that leaves it us for for us to hammer it out. I don't think anybody that isn't interested in reading the comic will read it and be like, "What the fuck? I thought you guys were going to talk about that." Right. Um. And yeah, the the show's pretty pretty available, and yeah, Simon Pegg's in it. Um, mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I think we're. I think it will create some interesting conversation. Okay. There's there's some, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't know. That that's just what came to mind. The other thing I feel like you would be into even less, and we can always do that some other time. So that's that's what I I thought. Uh, I am gonna go ahead and read some of the comic, even if you don't. So I can always interject shit if we just talk about the show. Yeah. But I thought one of the best, better ways to be able to read something is to make it sort of a homework assignment. True. Uh, so it's a bit of it's a bit of a selfish pick on my part, but the new season is uh, just getting ready to start. And they just announced that season three, uh, Jensen Eccles from Supernatural and probably other things mm -hmm. is going to be on there. So I think a decent amount of people that listen to this show might be either revisiting the show or going on with season mm -hmm. two. So it just came to mind. And, okay. But I know I'm, I'm good. It with you not feeling like you had to say yes, because I did have a backup idea. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> Something to do with the boys. Okay, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you, everybody. I think we have found the end of this, yeah. of this episode. Thank of you, this everyone involved. Yes. Thank you, Darren, as always. Thank you, listeners. Listeners. Uh, thank you, Anybody that gets a hold of us at VD Clinic Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, gmail.com. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. To say. Well, I guess, do you have any podcasts or any other projects coming out? I do not. I do not. I've been boring lately. I've been feeling like being boring, but um, I've got another year coming out on the podcast under the stairs summer series. I did 2001, which is out and 2005. And then there's going to be some monstrosity of a round table or two or three. I don't know how many he's going to have to do. He did two last summer just to pack yeah. everybody together with all the time zones and continents. Um, and at Psycho Semantic, I just recorded a episode with Bo Ranstall from LegionPodcasts.com and I like his flagship shows, what pick six. We did the hunt. Um, nice. Yeah. Which we're both fans of. As I don't I don't think I've covered a movie that I didn't want to watch on over there. <laughs> a little selfish that way. But until we speak again, everybody, thank you very much. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Do, 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 do. There's a sad sort of clanging from the clock. <laughs> Thank you for listening to another episode of the VD Clinic. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us at Twitter at VD Clinic Pod or reach us via email at VD Clinic Pod at gmail.com. 
We also have a Facebook group, VD Clinic Podcast. We'd love to hear your feedback, suggestions, and more.